So we are in Psalm 1. We were going to be in Matthew today in the original plan, but we certainly will be touching on something that um, Steve would no doubt have touched on when he, in the part of Matthew he was covering near the start of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's start here. Something that we know is true, um, but is very key in understanding some of the emphasis of Jesus. We know, don't we, that the same actions... And we've talked about this before. The same actions can have different heart behind them. Same actions can have different heart. And we can start right now. We can start with a preacher at a pulpit preaching the word of God. Now, they, two preachers can preach amazing sermons that bless people and they feel really inspired to grow in their relationship. It affects how they follow Jesus in the, in the following week. Um, you know, and so we can, they can do the same action, but still underneath the action... A preacher can be up here because they have a desperate need for their ego to be satisfied. They have a desperate need for validation from people. They, they feel almost like, a, like this is a platform for them, if you like, to um, have their insecurities uh, met, not by the love of God, but by the praise of people. And some people who are very effective and competent can move from that heart. They can even know Christian theology so well and speak about it so eloquently. But even no matter what effect it's having on you, underneath the surface, there's a bad heart. There's an insecure heart. There's an unhealthy heart behind it. And the same preacher preaching the same sermon can also have a good heart, can't they? They can be here because they love God. They're desperate for others to love God. They don't really, they're not, they're, their focus is mainly on, geez, not how, how popular will I be after this or how much will people like it, but how faithful am I being to God and am I calling people to a higher calling? Two actions can take on the same heart. Giving. Giving, when people give generously to anything, that can have different hearts behind it, can't it? Like some people can give out of some need to satiate some guilt inside them. You know, there's some people who have some pretty twisted ways of operating, aren't they? So I'm feeling bad this week, and so I'm just going to give a little more this week, and it's actually more a conversation with themselves about their guilt. It's not really driven by love. It's not driven by um, generosity that comes from dwelling in God's love. But as I've said that there, giving can also have that heart. It can be this really selfless, joyful, this is just from my overflow, God's given, I want to give. I'm not doing it because I think I'm going to get any special blessing. This is just part of who I am and part of who I want to be. It's the same with people who take on responsibility in the church or in other places. Some people take on responsibility because they have an unhealthy nature that needs people to look up to them and they need to be in charge for them to feel like anything in this life and they need to boss people around. And these people can be in churches as well, right? Like as in, there's, and, but other people take on responsibility because of a deep sense of call. This is how I believe God wants me to serve and I have this deep desire to bless others and be loved to others. So we know just on an intuitive level that, yeah, same actions can have different heart. I mean, kids, my kids, they have, they, the same action can have so many hearts, you know? They can, be, they can be being so nice to me, fully aware that I have a treat in the cupboard, fully aware of, of that, you know, there's all these, you know, and we just know right from a young age that same actions can have different So let's start there. So when we look at the first few verses, now and there's no PowerPoint today, so you might have to open a physical Bible or a device or something in front of you to follow along. Um, so the first few verses are really interesting because even the first part of this psalm, 
those actions could have a different heart behind them. So it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So broadly speaking, we're talking about removing ourselves from evil things or things that have an evil influence on us or, or, or people who might draw us into a way of being that isn't good. So drawing wise boundaries um, that distance us from things that aren't healthy for us or people that aren't healthy for us. Now, isn't that interesting that that, even those actions can have different hearts behind them? So you might be doing that out of a desire to be faithful to God and actually because you want to be a blessing to the world and you want to be his light and show people a different way of living because you, you love them and you want to show them something else and you want to keep yourself holy so you don't get drawn into things. So you could have this really wonderful heart for those set of actions. But you could do those same set of actions, so distancing yourself from people, and making sure that you're nowhere near them because you fear them, because you hate them, because you think they are disgusting and you want nothing to do with people like that. Same actions. One is a good heart. It's not. Not at all. Not Christ-like at all. And so that's why it's so important, if it's true that we can have so many different motives behind the same actions, that's why verse 2 is so important. We're not people who merely do that, but in verse 2 it says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Friends, we aren't just people who draw boundaries for no reason in judgment on other people but we are people for the sake of delighting in God for the sake of being his witnesses for the sake of loving who he is that's why we draw wise boundaries in our lives so that we can be a blessing to the world a genuine light do you know what I'm saying like that that this is not just about well I just avoid those wicked disgusting people over there this is about delighting in the Lord and being his character to the world being salt being light uh, Pastor Scott was here talking last week about these things drawing those lines is meant to be about worship drawing those lines is about wanting to be a blessing to the world and actually bless those people that sometimes you need to draw wise boundaries with because you want to show them what God is like. Drawing those boundaries is meant to be about faithfulness. It's meant to be about loving God and loving others. I have this idea that I've had in my sort of thinking for a while that the love of God is what anchors your motives so that you are then ready to serve and love others. The lo you loving God passionately anchors your motives because your motives are so deceptive, aren't they? They can so easily twist into something self-seeking or about satiating your own insecurity, that sort of thing, right? So our love for God, if it is anchored, if everything we do is anchored in our love for God, delighting in God, then our motives can be purified outwards as we go out and love others. As we gaze upon our gracious God, then that means our, our interactions are seasoned with grace. As we gaze upon our forgiving, our just, our servant-hearted God, we then bring those hearts from that foundation to wherever we move. Because fear and pride and selfishness are so ready to corrupt our motives when we are far from God. 
They are so ready to fool us into thinking, look at all these amazing things I do, but underneath it all is a deeply insecure, corrupted, motived soul. Does that make sense? We need the love of God to purify us. We need to be anchored. So in the passage, Pastor Steve would have talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus has this verse in Matthew chapter 5. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And at least part of what Jesus is getting at, and when we see that from his teaching, is he is calling people back to the spirit of the law, the heart of the law. He's interested in heart transformation, not just behavior modification, if you want to think of it that way. And as if when you read the Sermon on the Mount, that's what it's like. It's saying, no, don't just not murder people, actually love them. Don't just not commit adultery, look at women appropriately. You know, this is like this is his point. It's like you can't make it about these external forms. God's not a tick box. Oh God, well I didn't murder people. Fantastic, brother. Like how about loving them as well? How about loving them? You know, it's not if you miss the heart, you miss everything. If you miss the heart, you miss everything. So when it talks about we need to have a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees, I think what he's talking about is you need to have a righteousness that is based in more than just behaviour. Because behaviour doesn't always tell you what's going on underneath. God wants your heart. He wants your motives to be ones that are drenched in who he is. God wants your hearts, your mind, your strength. He wants to love you. He, sorry, he wants you to love him with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Mark says he's a guy I listen to sometimes. Now, I have to admit, I got this idea from, apparently it's from him. I haven't listened to or read his stuff about this yet. So I am second-handedly dealing with a concept from someone that I haven't engaged with yet myself, but I like it. So I'm going to do it in a hack way that's probably not quite faithful to the way he used those ideas. But anyway, he has this idea... That in churches, so when leading churches, right, there are people who you've got to learn to discern people's motives. So some people want leadership and responsibility for the sake of platform, for the sake of a platform for their agendas, a platform for their insecurities, a platform for their need to dominate others. So they need a platform. And so they want those spaces for platform. And other people want those spaces for the sake of being a pillar being a pillar of faithfulness, being a pillar of faithfulness that's upholding everything that God stands for and that will continue to hold it up for generations to come. Some people are here for platform and some people are here for, to be a pillar, a faithful pillar. So the question, I guess, if that's true, is how do we keep ourselves as pillars and not drift into being people that are just here for platform? Just here, the platform. Which, which, and if you're here just for platform, well, you can go anywhere for that. You don't, just don't use the church for it. All right? You can go be a pop star, you know, if you want platform. All right? you, can go, you can go be popular and insatiate your insecurities anywhere else. But here, here, we are called to be pillars. Pillars of faithfulness upholding God's goodness. How do we stay in that state? Well, the passage tells us plainly... We delight in the law of the Lord and we meditate on his law both day and night. We delight in the Father's love. We sing songs. 
We tell each other about the goodness of God. And when we lead, it's with an obsession with seeing others understand that. I, I shared this story a few months ago, so it's enough time for me to use it in a sermon again. Um, but um, I was um, at a retreat uh, for pastors. And um, if you've ever been to one of these retreats, they're pretty full on. Like It's like you, you go around and across a whole week you share your stories with each other. And when it's your turn to share, you share for like three hours. Like just blabbing your story out and they all listen and give input into your story. Um, when I think of retreat... For some reason, it doesn't match up to that. I think of retreat, I think of beach, I think of, I think of nice, calming music, I think of no need to listen to anyone, actually. Um, so it's interesting they use the word retreat. Um, I would call it excruciating boot camp of listening. Um, but, uh, but it was really insightful and helpful for me. Uh, it was really, really good. I, I actually, um, it was quite hard on me. So I was, I was doing all this sharing. Um, so. I may, now, I come across as someone up the front who, who can be quite off the cuff, but it's not actually true. I love to be prepared. I love, if I am off the cuff, it's because I'm moving from a very prepared zone, okay? So um, I'm, not, I'm not an all ad-lib person. I don't enjoy being fully ad-lib, actually. So um, um, obviously, the whole point of this retreat is you don't prepare. You just kind of start sharing through your story and you're seeing what God brings out. So that's, a, that's an interesting space for me. So I've shared for a couple of hours. I'm just... You know, out goes my story. This is the easy part. Other people have to listen to me. Just, just throwing out. Um, they made me listen to them. I'm going to make them listen to me. All right, here we go. And um, now, I started to get really upset about two hours in. I was just getting, like, very unhappy and insecure and, and feeling unsure of myself. And they were like, what is going on? Why are you so upset? And, and I think it was just this weird thing where I was like, well... I don't know what I've said, and that was very upsetting to me. I didn't know what I've said. And then, and well, why is that upsetting? Well, because I, 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 did, I don't know if it was interesting. And then and they were like, oh, well, why does that matter? It doesn't matter. And, and what happened was this weird little exercise, which was very intense, um, exposed this part of me that has a huge amount of his self-worth wrapped up in when I speak is interesting. And when I'm not interesting, you know, like my whole identity gets really scared. And, and you know, and it's not that I... And so, I, I, so I, you know, God, it was just exposing this part of me that really needed to dwell deeper in God's love and really needed to claim to myself, Nate, you need to remember that I love you before you say anything. You need to rest in that and you need to speak from that because if I let that insecurity drive me, what am I looking for? I'm looking for platform. I'm looking for something to sort of make me okay with myself. But that's not what this space is for. And you shouldn't be happy with that from any pastor up here. You shouldn't be happy with a pastor who needs this space to feel good about himself. 100%, you should reject that. So, so one, of my pray one of the prayers I pray is that, Lord, like, just help me, you know, essentially in lots of different ways, I pray, Lord, help me know I'm enough before I do this because I need to come from that space. I need to be a faithful model of the grace of God. And part of being that faithful model is, is not needing your validation before God to feel good about myself. Amen? Amen. You know. Invest in your relationship with God. Dwell in the love of God. Then you can move from the space 
that has been formed by the love of God. Then he will be the vine and you will be the branches. As Peter said, then he will lead the way as you yoke yourself to him. As you put your hope in him, you will then rise on wings like eagles. Or as Psalm 1 says, you will be like a person who is like a tree, sorry, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. So here's what I would like to speak over you. May you in the coming year have such a strong foundation in God's love that as you serve and live with a pure heart, you will experience the fruitfulness and the joy of not needing anything else but that in your life. And your motives will be pure in all that you do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that you are enough, that your love for us is enough, that your forgiveness is enough. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful pillars, people who are so determined within ourselves to point people back to you, people who don't need platform, people who don't need the validation of men and women, but we actually, all we need is you. All we need is you. May we be people who know what it feels like to delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on your word day and night, to feel your strength and your peace flowing through us, and to have hearts that are fully formed by your love so that we are equipped to serve and love others faithfully. Protect us from hearts that bend towards fear, that bend towards insecurity, that bend towards pride. May we keep returning to the space where you can purify us and transform us into your likeness. Because we are so convinced that the best place in the universe to be is next to you, is close to you. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.